0: Radio MD. RadioMD.com Become a healthier you 5 days a week. This is Melanie Cole's Health Radio.
1: Even though there is no cure for autism, symptoms can be eased a little bit and managed a little bit through diet, and specifically a diet that stays away from gluten and dairy. So what are some tips for eating gluten and dairy-free? My guest today is Kristen Selby-Gonzalez. She's president of the Autism Hope Alliance. Welcome to the show, Kristen. So tell us a little bit about the relationship, what you've seen, doing what you do, between eating gluten and dairy-free and autism.
0: Yes. Um, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, we see so many of our kiddos on the spectrum um, going after certain foods and becoming very, very picky eaters. And for us, that's one of the first red flags. Um, and so, basically, when we take away gluten and dairy, we see a lot of the kiddos becoming less foggy, more alert. They have less digestive issues. They start to sleep better. And so, today we really wanted to talk about some of those steps those parents could take because. A lot of parents out there, it's really scary to think, well, what is gluten? What is, you know, what are things that have dairy in them? And a lot of times you're not really thinking about that because the way we've grown up and the way we've eaten for all these years, you know, often there's gluten and dairy in many of our foods that we're eating today. And so trying to just help parents not to be so afraid when they go into the market to look for other options.
1: So, help them not be so afraid, Kristen. What people, you know, now there's gluten free whole aisles in the market. Yeah. You know, but I would rather tell people to stay away from the boxed food to begin with. But okay. So, we're looking at the gluten free aisle and there's pastas and breads and rices and things in there. And what's a parent to do? What do you want them to know? And also, then dairy free, that's hard to do. You're looking for casein and everything. And, you know, your kid sees other kids eating yogurt. Or they want mm-hmm. milk? or So how do you replace some of these things with other sort of tasty products?
0: Well, that's a great question. And so what I have parents do first um, is write a list of all of their child's favorite foods and everything that they're eating. And then what we're going to do is we're going to look at the substitutes for those. And so with milk, there's different um, substitutes today that actually taste really good. We have coconut milk, we have almond milk, we have rice milk, there's cashew milk. There's so many different um, choices today when it comes to milk. Same thing with yogurt. They have lots of different varieties of yogurt made from coconut milk um, that tastes very, very good. Um, what I usually say is to stay a little bit outside of the middle aisles, especially in the beginning, um, because I feel like the boxes that you were saying, there are some great alternatives. I don't want to knock all the box foods out there, right? Um, or pre-packaged foods. Yeah, no, but we don't want to I,
1: completely, but yeah.
0: <laughs> but I think that, you know, I look at what my grandmother did way back in the day, and we stayed in the produce section and the meat department. And, you know, in my lectures, I usually ask, families, I say, raise your hand if you've ever been in the produce and meat department, and all these people raise their hand, and I say, well, congratulations, you've been to the gluten-free, dairy-free section for the most part, and when they start thinking of it in those terms, it becomes a little bit easier, and so think about what you ate as a child, like for dinner, for example. You might have had a meat, and you might have had a vegetable, and you might have had um, some type of fruit or uh, some type of um, carb, whether it be a potato or rice. And then maybe you had a piece of bread. You could swap out that piece of bread today for a gluten-free, dairy-free version. And it's all about reading the labels. Um, and uh, they can also go to our website, AutismHopeAlliance.org. And we have a whole bunch of different partners that are gluten-free, dairy-free. So we kind of make it a little easy for you, kind of like a cheat sheet, uh, to look for those brands. But there's many, many out there. So that's one of the things that we tell people to do is make that list, and then we're going to find a substitute. So let's say today child's eating chicken nuggets cookies crackers pizza waffles and gallons of milk and I know that sounds scary but I have to tell you I've been all over the country and it doesn't matter if they're in Kansas or in Europe they're eating the same things for the most part when these kids are on the autism spectrum becoming picky eaters and when we look at those you know five to six foods that these children are eating what I tell people to do especially in the beginning Yes, I want you to stay in the produce and meat department, but try to find something, um, whether it be a chicken nugget or a French fry or a cookie or a cracker that's gluten-free, dairy-free, and at least substitute that in the beginning to kind of get that child easier on the kind of like the pathway or the road. Does that make sense?
1: it totally does make sense and 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 easier to get that child on there to get used to the flavor change the difference the because you got to do that gently with all kids whether they're on the spectrum or not and then also for the sort of behavioral of eating that kind of food but now then they see other kids and maybe mm-hmm. they're at school and what do you do about that? I mean, do you just not mention that this is gluten-free or dairy-free? You put their lunchbox together in the morning, and you know what do you say to them? Do you make it known well, that this is what
0: you're doing? Yes, absolutely. Um, so basically, like my son, he knows very well that he's gluten-free, dairy-free. Our entire home, at our house, we're all gluten-free, dairy-free. Um, I know when his father goes out, uh, often. He will eat gluten and dairy, but he doesn't eat that around our son. Um, and we did that because we wanted to make our son feel included and didn't want to make him feel like there was something weird or different. And what happened is, as you start to learn the foods for your child and you start eating them, you start figuring out better recipes and things that taste good, and the child starts to not feel, quote-unquote, special. They just kind of feel it to be normal. When they're in school, that's usually the harder part. And so what the feedback I've gotten from many families all over, they tell me that they go to the school and they ask for a calendar and they ask for any special events that might happen and so they can prepare to bring the food, um, make sure that this is a cupcake, whether it be a cookie, whatever it is, they make sure that their child has their special thing. And then um, some families have even told me that they prepare even farther in advance just in case something special came up and the child didn't have anything there. They have um, agreements with their school and they bring it in advance and they just keep it frozen. So when everybody else gets something, they get something too. Um, they already have it kind of on hand. And it seems that a lot of more kids today, it's now from what I'm hearing from a lot of the teachers, it's not just one child in the classroom, it's three or four children, if not more, that are on some type of specialized diet. So it's becoming really the norm today today. To, to look at another child and go, oh, you can't have peanuts or you can't have gluten or you can't have whatever it is that that child can't have. It seems to be more and more kiddos today are having some type of specialized diet. So it's really up to the parents to really pre-plan, whether it be a family function, whether it be a school outing or whatever it might be.
1: What do you notice the changes with the gluten-free, dairy-free diet?
0: Really, the changes are... Quite huge for a lot of families, and the one thing I have to emphasize is it's not like, um, you know, uh, a special diet that you're trying to lose weight or you're five days on and you can have a cheat meal for two days kind of thing. This is really a lifestyle, and so what I encourage families is that, you know, let's say that you do it and for 20 days, and, and then, oh, they go to grandma and grandpa's house, and they just had a little bit of cake or a little bit of ice cream. Well, you have to start over again because... You can't be able to judge the, the progress unless you really do it for a good 90 to 120 days, and that's usually what we see. And what you start to see is a lot of kiddos, they'll start to have more eye contact. They'll be less foggy. They'll have more attention in the classroom. They'll be able to um, be more alert and sleep better. A lot of times we see kiddos with red cheeks, dark circles, red ears. Um, those are usually signs of some type of digestive issue. A lot of times, they're constipated or they have diarrhea. Um, suddenly, you start changing the foods and taking out away the kind of culprits, and the child starts to overall feel better. And especially kids that are on the autism spectrum of all ages, their therapies start to do better because now they're feeling better. Well, we really are what we what's.
1: Need. And that's so, that is just really cool. And thank you so much for being with us. And tell people where they can find out more about you. We only have about 10 seconds.
0: Definitely. Autismhopealliance.org. They can go there and download a free resource booklet called Autism, What the Experts Know. And there's chapters on there on uh, and tips for gluten-free, dairy-free.
1: Thank you so much, Kristen. This is Melanie Cole. You're listening to Radio MD. Thanks so much for listening. And stay well.